It was definitely a steep learning curve. I think a lot of people have all these great ideas and they just keep thinking, yeah, but I don't know uh, what to do next. I don't know, do I form a team? Do I um, try to raise money? Do I try to validate my idea? How do I know my idea is good enough? And I think you just have to do something. You just pick something to do on that list and then go do it. So it's like Breaking Bad, but the biology version of it. Welcome back to Bringing New Ideas to Life, the innovation podcast from Oxentia. This time, senior consultant Sarah Allison explores the inspiring startup story of Tiffany Ma, CEO of Gambit Bio, who, along with her three co-founders, is developing a self-test kit for early cancer detection. We hope you enjoy the story. Hi, I'm Sarah Allison, a senior consultant at Oxentia, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce Tiffany Ma to our virtual studio. Lovely to have you here. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me here. It's great to be here. So to begin with, please, would you give an introduction to who you are and just tell me the story of what your company does and how it was first created? Yeah, uh, I am the CEO and co-founder of Gambit Bio. We are a startup that is making a home self-test kit for early cancer detection uh, based on saliva. And uh, my team consists of myself and my three other co-founders. Uh, we are three Oxford University graduates. We did our PhDs in molecular cancer biology together. And our last co-founder is um, a PhD graduate from UCLA in chemical engineering. And we were very much inspired by, uh, by how everyone during COVID were able to test themselves. They learned the self-testing skills very quickly and they were able to do it consistently. Um, so we were just asking ourselves, why can't people do the same for cancer? Why can't they test themselves for cancer at home? Which is definitely going to affect one in two of us in our lifetimes. Oh, wow, that's really lovely. So you've got a really very strong team uh, working uh, working on this on this innovation. So how did you, what is the innovation? How did you come up with the idea um, what did you notice? So our product in a nutshell, we are making a home self-test kit for early cancer detection. And we're using saliva, which makes us stand out. And we are basically making a low flow test strip, um, like the one you use for COVID, that tells you whether or not you have COVID on the spot. Um, but instead, we're making one for early cancer detection. And instead of giving you a binary yes, no answer, this test strip will have multiple lines on it, and instead it gives you a probability of cancer presence. And to start off with, our first product will be a saliva-based test for detecting prostate cancer. Okay, brilliant. But in the longer term, you're thinking it could actually be a one test for multiple different cancers? Is that the idea? Uh, we're not there yet. We envision we'll do one test strip per cancer type. Um, but depending on where the data and science takes us, that would be ideal. Um, but for now, that's still quite far-fetched. So we're aiming for one strip per cancer type. So this, this company, it's a startup, and you've done all of this work and come up with the idea outside of your university research. Is that correct? That's right. So it's not based on any of our research projects from our PhDs or our postdocs. It's completely original. It's not linked with any academic professors or supervisors. Uh, we just came up with it during COVID. And 
uh, funnily enough, when we saw people testing themselves for COVID, we were very surprised at how skilled people were and how quickly they were able to pick up the skill of um, self-testing at home. So being cancer biologists, we naturally asked, why can't people use this to test themselves for cancer, which is still going to affect one in two of us in our lifetimes. And we know that early detection um, can save lives. Ask any oncologist and they'll tell you that. So, so Tiffany, so since you don't have a lab or professor to support you, how have you been generating your data and your first prototype? Yep, that's a great question because we did something um, quite unique, which was that we ordered our own reagents and pipettes and lab equipment to our own house um, because we wouldn't want to perform any of our uh, prototyping on university premises to get entangled with you know, university IP. Uh, so we made our first prototype at home. It's all safe. Um, so it's like Breaking Bad, but the biology version of it. And we were able to use, um, you know, saliva samples, non-invasive to collect, uh, and to prove our proof of concept, scientific concept, using everything at home. It's all legal and safe, which is great. Yep, it sounds, yep, sounds really, really exciting. Just, just let you picture a startup starting from your home. Brilliant. So in terms of your prototype, what, what is the IP behind that? So that's one of the challenges and disadvantages of being a startup as opposed to a spin-out in biotech. We, Since we can't use data from a professor to file for IP, we're currently generating uh, data using patient samples. Um, so this one, we're going to hire a CRO, a contract research organization, mm-hmm. to process our patient samples for us to prove that our panel of biomarkers is very good for diagnosing cancer. Um, So we're going to use that data to file for IP, but currently we don't have any, but we've spoken, we've had initial conversations with some IP lawyers, and they said that the data we're about to generate will be good enough to file for IP. But until then, we have to keep everything very low-key and confidential. Absolutely. So obviously, doing this outside the university has a number of challenges, what, what do you think your main challenges were at the beginning? I think because we basically started off with a very strong idea, but with no data from the lab to back us up, it was very hard to convince people to jump on board. They loved the idea, but they wanted solid data from a lab or from a professor. And how we were able to get around that was We are basically taking decades of scientific knowledge, but we are wrapping it up and commercializing it in a way that hasn't been done before. And that's what's special about us. We're not we haven't made a groundbreaking discovery. We've actually just taken what a lot of brilliant scientists have done before us and packaging it up into a way that people can use in their everyday lives. Brilliant. I mean, it's often the way with innovations it builds on the previous knowledge. Um, which has been gathered. So that's that's really fascinating that you were able to collate all of that information. And um, from our previous conversation, it sounds like you still are. You said you're doing quite a lot of bioinformatics, sort of analysis of the literature and things like this. Yeah, exactly. So um, from what we know from literature and um, all the bioinformatics tools that are available to the general public um, and publicly available data sets, we took those data sets 
uh, from cancer patients, and we did our own bioinformatic analysis, um, looking at the things that we cared about for the design of our allow flow test strip, and we were able to show that by using a panel of biomarkers as opposed to just looking at one thing, it significantly increases the diagnostic accuracy um, for detecting cancer. Wow. And in terms of funding, what, how, how did you go about your gathering enough funds to be able to fund this? Yeah, so at the beginning, it was, you know, bringing on the very first person who believes in us based on our idea, based on our team's skills and qualifications and our passion for the project. And I was pitching to some family friends at home in Hong Kong, and one of them, he got really excited about our project and decided to give us um, our first angel funding. And we used that money to make our first prototype at home. But on top of that, we were also able to enter multiple competitions, accelerator programs in the UK, uh, both in Oxford and in Edinburgh. And from that, we were able to win small pots of money as well. Wow, that's really impressive. What I also find really interesting is, or impressive is, you know, you're ex- you have technical expertise, your team technically very um, expert in the science. However, the business side, was that a challenge for you to upskill the business side of your knowledge base? Gosh, it was definitely a steep learning curve. Uh, we have very, very little business experience. We, two of us have had experience um, being a fellow in a venture capital firm, but that wasn't the same as building a business and operating in it. And we've just been learning on the spot, on the fly. But all these classes and training from the free accelerator programs and competitions, they've been quite formal in terms of teaching us uh, all the nitty gritty parts of running a business. So it's almost like a crash course MBA for for scientists and there are lots of free resources at Oxford University as well for students and postdoc researchers who want to pursue a more entrepreneurial path in their career. That's really interesting and that leads very onto a very interesting question around how the university, how you've been interacting with the university, have they been supportive of your startup? Um, and what support have they provided to you? So you've just mentioned some examples there, but is there, are there any other areas of support? Have they been supportive? Absolutely. So the university has several organizations and groups that support entrepreneurship. There's the Entrepreneurship Center with the Slide Business School, and they have this free program for postdoc researchers in all the STEM subjects um, to be able to take two weeks from their year in the research in the lab, take them out and meet executive MBA students where they can learn about strategy and innovation. And uh, that's completely free for the, for the postdoc researchers. And it counts as career development. So we don't have to take holiday off to attend these classes. And I think that's been really transformative because it's a completely different way of thinking compared to scientific thinking. And also allows you to network with people who, you know, do business for their everyday lives and who've already established entrepreneurial ventures. Yeah, that sounds really valuable. Yeah. Um, Do you think in the future you would consider approaching me? But do you feel like the, the fact that you've been part of the university gives you perhaps 
access to other types of support which may be available in the future? I think so because even though I'm not, you know, our company is not a spin-out, so we won't have the official support from uh, OUI, Oxford University Innovation. But then Oxford name carries very far, especially, you know, the further you go away from Oxford, the more prestigious the Oxford name. That's what people say. And it's very true um, because when I go back to Hong Kong or California and you say you have a team of Oxford graduates, it the name really helps. And it is true that Oxford has a high caliber of uh, researchers. And I guess we haven't, we haven't really we mentioned this, but would you... Do you think they could provide maybe incubation space in the future? Are they open to doing that? Do they have opportunities for that? Where, where are you located at the moment? Yeah, so I'm located on the Old Road campus up in Headington. So it's removed from the rest of the main Oxford uh, campus. And here, actually, we have a bioescalator building right across from where I work the building where there are lots of spin-outs from the university. They reside there for around three years before they're kicked out to you know, expand uh, you know, out of the building. But this building also contains Oxford-based startups, similar to my startup, that are not spin-outs, but companies that are started by Oxford students, alumni, researchers, staff who have an Oxford link, but aren't necessarily basing it off of Oxford research. Okay, brilliant. And you're at a stage now where you have been on accelerator programs, you've been mentored, you have a certain level of experience now, but when you first started out, is there anything you wish you'd known that you know now that you'd want to tell your um, earlier version of yourself? (laughs) Oh, for sure. I think the number one thing is I should have started earlier. I think a lot of people have all these great ideas and they just keep thinking, yeah, but I don't know uh, what to do next. I don't know, do I form a team? Do I um, try to raise money? Do I try to validate my idea? How do I know my idea is good enough? And I think you just have to do something. You just pick something to do on that list and then go do it. And that that would, you know, push you to make more progress than if you were just to, you know, sit in your room and ruminate about all the perfect ways to execute a startup. That's the number one thing I would tell myself. The second thing I would tell myself is to talk to people more, especially people who have been in your shoes, as in two, three years ago, they were just like you. They had an idea, they went out and did it because they had just been in your shoes a few years ago. They know, they still have fresh in their memory exactly what resources, which programs, which computations you should enter. I've been lucky enough to have in my social circles people who have started their own companies and they referred me to uh, these competitions, to accelerated programs, and that just made it easier for me to um, know which resources to go for and which communities to join. Brilliant. Thank you. And so in terms of sort of thinking about the future, where do you think and hope things will go? Yeah, so I'm finishing my postdoc in a few weeks' time. And I'm going to dedicate my time professionally to raising money for Gambit Bio. We've spoken to several VCs and we are about to raise for our seed round. We are trying to raise $2 million and this money will allow us to take a complete uh, home self-test kit for prostate cancer to the market. And that should take around two years' time once we've had the money. And hopefully we can expand to other cancer types 
and also think about the larger uh, trajectory of our company goal, which is to empower everyday consumers to take control of their health, because this is now becoming a revolutionary era of home self-testing. And so, so if people wanted to find out more or get in contact with you, where, how can they do that? So if anyone is interested in Gambit Bio, you can find us on LinkedIn or you can find us on uh, our website, gambitbio.net, or we're also on Instagram for those who are younger. <laughs> Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. If the discussion has sparked any ideas for you or perhaps you have a question, then please do contact us at ideaspod at oxentia.com. That's ideaspod, all one word, at oxentia.com. Please also remember to subscribe to the podcast and feel free to share with anyone who you think may find it of interest. Many thanks once again and we'll see you next time. Bye for now.